This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode three of Healthy Critters Radio on the Horse Radio Network. Today's episode is brought to you by Biostar US. Montague, and this is Patty Perucci, and you're listening to Healthy Critters Radio on the Horse Radio Network. On today's show, we have Stress-Free Holiday for Dogs with Karen Quinlan. Breed of the show is the Greater Smith's Mountain Dog. Nutrition Corner is Stress Herbs, and the Coffee Clatch is Ways to Keep Our Animals Happy and Safe During the Holidays. Hi, Hedwig. Hi, Hedwig. Hi, Patty. Hi, everyone. Yes, I am so ready, ready to help our listeners, ready to go. Okay, so the first one is from Sibby. Thanks for having a show, Hedwig, and as a potential servant human, it is very helpful to hear your perspective. Tell me, besides your sister Christabel, what other animals do you like to share your life with? At this point in your rehab from your very, very, very unfortunate beginnings, are you willing to let other dogs into your life? Well, thank you so much for this question. I do, in fact, live with two other dogs part of the time. One is a gigantic mutt creature called Lucinda, and she is part Great Pyrenees and part giant elephant dog creature. I don't know her legs are so long. It's really hard for me to even see her when she's not lying down. But she is a nice dog and sometimes she lives with us all the time and she curls up on the bed and I use her for warmth. So I am fond of her. Yes. She is very nice. And then the other one I call the horned dog, although apparently they tell me those are not horns but ears. She is a corgi named Thursday, and her legs are not long, but she has some anger management problems, so it is better for small dogs to leave her alone. <laughs> and you're small. Well, now, how do you feel about, you know, you're going to go to... to to Florida again this year, and you're going to be sharing a space with um, some Aussies again. And who could really make my winter better than two gigantic floppy dogs and a yodel? Yodel! Looking forward to some yodel time! Me and yodel, we're gonna rock it! Okay. Uh, The next question is from a dog named Hope. Dear Hedwig, congratulations on your show. Your insight exceeds your weight in grams. Now my question. I am a well-disposed Labrador retriever and have been adopted into a wonderful home. My human servant is splendidly solicitous and caring. Hence my problem. I share my home with two felines who are in residence prior to my arrival. While my felines are friendly, they frequently petition our human servant for affection. When this occurs, I swarm my human and prefer my unlimited affection on the felines who leave in disgust. I have them well trained, except I have not yet succeeded in training the felines to offer their fealty to me. Please advise. Oh my goodness, Hope, you have a real challenge ahead of you, let me tell you. I also live with felines, and one of them weighs um, two and a half times me, and so you would think I would just leave that issue alone, but no, I know that that cat is one day going to serve me, because that's how it should be. So what happens is that cat jumps up on the bed when it thinks I'm sleeping. 
but I never sleep without my eye open. And so I jumps up on the bed, and I wake up, and I bark my head off at it until it jumps down. This is a very, very effective strategy for whipping them into shape. you got to run them around. That's the other thing. They think they're fast, but they're kind of slow because I am way faster than them, and you're a big dog, so I bet you're faster even than me. So you should chase those cats until they understand that they're tired and would rather just accept your sovereignty over them, and then you can all go have a nap. So uh, we will talk to you uh, at the next show. All right, well, have a lovely show, and I will talk to you soon. Patty, we have a, a very interesting guest today. Her name is Karen Quinlan. And she is a dog trainer at All Things Pausable, which is also a facility training and boarding and um, doggy daycare and pet store that she has in Charlottesville, Virginia. And I met her when Thunder Bear was a puppy, and I decided that um, despite my years of dog experience, <laughs> that maybe it would be a good idea to um, actually get some uh, real training, and it it was such an eye opener because Karen is one of those trainers that her whole approach is from the point of view of the dog. So she's really not never training the dog; she's training the human. Right. And you know, there's never a pull on the leash. There's never a jerking him by the collar and leash. It's right. it's a very um. I don't, humane isn't even the right word, but it's a very gentle and intuitive way of really listening to the, to the dog and taking that class. I realized I didn't know squat. I was just going to say, can you see me there? Can you see me there with Gavin? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It probably wouldn't go well. It'd be a good source. So I have done a number of her, um, classes, um, including prepping for rally, which is what I do with, um, Sabi and Buckaroo and Crockett will be starting, which is an Australian shepherd and AKC, uh, combination of obedience and agility. Mm-hmm. And she, I am so inspired by Karen because I, she has shown me into a world of the dogs and working with them that I, I just never even imagined. So I'm really excited to have her um, and her insight and her her great humor um, on our show today. Well, cool! I can't wait to talk to her. Yeah, you'll you guys will you guys will really click. I think. Well, good. It maybe that that'll make me move back to Charlottesville. I just know it. <laughs> or, or or get some. More help training the Frenchies? <laughs> <laughs> that ship has sailed, my friend. I'm just telling you. They, they train me. Well, maybe I see, maybe I can be taught. So we know this is this time of year, there's a lot of stress, Karen. What, what are the, some of the common stresses you see in dogs around the holidays? Well, I think the major stressor is typically we are not very social people anymore. And all of a sudden, November and December comes, and our houses are filled with people mm. whom our dogs have never even met. Um, everybody's very jolly. There could be alcohol involved. There's food involved. There's all of these things that can make any dog or human anxious, for that matter. And what happens, I think, is people get worried that their dogs aren't going to behave and maybe they haven't taught them how to behave when there's party. So the dog might be getting yelled at or banished to another room. And just all of these things the dogs have not been prepared for is huge stressor. Um, even the m- most balanced of dogs can get thrown off by the holiday festivities, if you will. So what would what can they do? I mean, what would be some good um, tips for owners? dealing with stress in their dogs? Well, ideally, the day of an event, you have taken your dog out for a nice long hike, really exercise them so that they're tired 
and calm. You want to make sure they've had their dinner so they're not hungry when there's all the food around. And, you know, a big part of it, too, is actually crowd control. Um, You know, letting people know, don't put my dog in a corner and start loving on them because they don't know you. Um, You know, oftentimes having a safe place for your dog to go, whether it's a nice bedroom, play some classical music to kind of drown out the sound of the party, provide a nice raw bone or something very yummy and chewy to um, help them because chewing is a stress reliever for dogs. And, you know, again, I have to always go back to the crowd control, you know, know, really just letting people know, give my dog their space. You know, maybe your dog has learned to go lie down um, on their bed in, in, the living room and, and to just remind people that's their space. Just, just let them be, you know, dogs, if they want to see people will engage. Sometimes if they're in a corner, it means they don't want to engage and and being aware of that. Um, you know, the other thing that people don't, are they, I think they tend to misinterpret jumping on people can actually be a sign of stress. A lot of people Mm -hmm. think, Oh, it's a happy loving dog. And it's kind of the opposite. So if your dog is a jumper, you know, probably don't have time for a class now, but, you know, (laughs) you might want to check with someone real quick about teaching them how not to jump. Or again, you're going to be so busy at this time of year, just have a safe place for your dog to go and some, maybe some nice calming shoes that I've just been made aware of, Um, (laughs) which by the way, helped me with a poodle that has been at my house that I was a major stress case because of this dog's stress. And the last three days have been quite pleasant. Oh, that's awesome, yes. Karen. Yes. <laughs> wow. And this morning it was quite cute. Um, my He didn't finish all of his, but my little Shih Tzu, who's pretty mellow anyway, got it. So Uh-oh. he he just kind of reminded me of a little hippie dog all day, just hanging out on the couch. <laughs> like, yeah. It's all good around here. Oh, that's great. (laughs) This is very cute, yes. So, Patty, this is Biostar's new Theracom uh, formula for stress in dogs. Oh, that's awesome. uh, I wanted Karen to try it because she was telling me about this poodle that she had. And, um, I I mean, we've had really, really good test results when we tested the product. But Karen was, for me, like the real bottom line test. Because I don't know the poodle. I don't know any of the circumstances or the history. And so I, you know, gave her some to try. And this is just, this is great news. And I, and she, she has this marvelous, is he, is he a Lhasa? She too. She I always get those two mixed up. They're very similar, yes. (laughs) Yeah. And he is the coolest little rescue dog. And he's really mellow. I mean, he's sort of a zen. Mm-hmm. So he's obviously not friends with Hedwig. <laughs> no. I'm just saying, okay. Or yeah. any of the Aussies. Yes, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And to, to think of him zoned out on the couch on on a little bit of Theracom is almost too funny. I want to see him instead of tie-dyed and flashing the peace sign. <laughs> well, yeah, and that's kind of what it reminded me of because he's a little shaggy right now, so his hair is a little shaggy. And honestly, I do think that, that the poodle has stressed him out over these past few days and he doesn't get stressed very easily but i would notice him kind of just going over and hitting him with his paws almost like can you just stop (laughs) (laughs) um and and you know they've actually they were actually kind of lying on the couch together today which was a first and and just to throw out there i have been given every sample of every calming thing on the face of the planet. I am not an easy sell, and I can honestly tell you I've not been impressed with a lot of things that are out there. Mm. This truly impressed me. Oh, that's great. Thank you. You are welcome. <laughs> what maybe do you I'll, see? Maybe I'll I try mean, it. <laughs> well, that's what I said to Sean. I said, can we eat these? <laughs> if you yeah. don't mind desiccated beef liver. Yeah, you're fine. <laughs> you're fine. Don't worry. <laughs> what do you see as the common signs of stress? I mean, you also have a a doggy daycare. You do training classes. So, you know, we have holiday stresses. And then we have 
normal dog stresses. And, you know, I don't think a lot of people really are aware of maybe some of the more subtle, subtler signs of stress. Yes. Yes. That, that, you know, and as a dog trainer, I was speaking with a dog trainer. We said, you know, we don't get to enjoy dogs anymore because everywhere we go, we see that lip flick or we see the whale eye or, you know, these are what I mean by that. These are all signs of stress or the panting and, and it's called like a spatulate tongue. So if you look at their tongue, it looks like a spatula on the end. That is a very clear sign of stress. And a lot of people are like, oh, my dog's hot or whatever. And, and, you know, even something as subtle as a dog that shifts their head in one direction or the other very quickly, that is usually giving a calming signal to maybe another person or another dog that's saying, hey, you are really stressing me out. The obvious signs of shaking, um, but it's those more subtle ones. And, and by the whale eye, I don't know if you know what that means, but you no. know, when a dog looks whale in a certain eye. direction and you see the white of their eyes, it looks yeah. like a whale. Yeah, the whale eye is, is a definite sign of, I am stressed and you don't want to come any closer. So yeah. <laughs> I pay close attention to the whale eye and say, okay. Um, I've never, it, it's, it's funny, Karen, because I've never heard anybody else use that, and I use it all the time in the horses. And when you yeah. said that... It, I was like, oh, yeah, well, people don't. I mean, it's a thing. It's a real thing. It's a thing. It is. It absolutely is. And, you know, like you said, very few people will see that or recognize mm-hmm. it, but it is such a clear sign. You know, obviously the tail tucked or, you know, the hiding, um, going to a corner, hiding behind their human. And, you know, there, there are so many different philosophies out there, and most of them I, I think are ridiculous. You know, there's, <laughs> oh, don't let your dog hide behind you. Well, you know what? let your dog hide behind you because you are their safety. You're their safety net. Um, And I think that's it's so important for humans to understand that your dog relies on you and you have to be there for them. Hence the Christmas party, you can't because you're entertaining people. So put your dog in a safe place. Yeah. You know, when you were talking earlier, the thing that I kept popping into my head was, you know, how few people – coming into your home, mm-hmm. realize if they're not around animals, obviously, um, and they're cornering the dog or the little kid is cornering the dog and, mm, yes. and the parent's like, oh, pet him on the face. And they just don't recognize the body language and obviously putting them up is the smartest thing in the world. But how few dog owners um, don't recognize the body language either? No, I think that, they don't. In their I think own a lot dog. of people take it for granted. Like, you know, Tigger, you and I, we're horse people. I mean, obviously, we're, <laughs> we're dog people, um, but <laughs> ridiculous dog people. But, you know, but honestly, I mean, you know, because we have spent our lives training horses, it's, it does transfer as well into the dogs as well as far as looking at the body language. It's, it's, we do it all day long, and it's, it's a really yeah. big deal for people to understand that. Like, like you said, sometimes jumping up isn't being, isn't being naughty. It is, right. yo, I need something. I yes. need something. Yes, exactly. Uh. And you'll oftentimes see it when somebody reaches over a dog's head, which mm-hmm. 90% of people do, which is seen as an act of aggression. Right. And most yeah. dogs will not get an Aussie won't tolerate it for the most part. That's for yeah. sure. No. You know, and your yeah. labs, you know, people think, oh, they're just crazy labs. But that might be their sign of stress when you go over mm-hmm. their head is jumping up. You know, sure. kind of knock that out of the way. And then they're going to put their teeth on your face and lick you. And But it's all signs of stress. Sure. Um, you know, and that's just it. People just, you know, they take it for granted that dogs are very tolerant, and they are. If you think about it, they are a species that has that lives in our house. Right. Very brilliant on their their part. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. Um, They yeah. absolutely are, and but we have to respect that they still are an animal with their own codes of what is appropriate, mm-hmm. and we just expect them to tolerate so much. And then I hear. Well, they bit out of the blue, and I think to myself, no, they didn't. That dog's probably been telling you for months they're over threshold. And when nobody listens, then they're going to bite. That's the crime of it. One thing that I learned that I didn't know, uh, I learned from Karen, I think on day one of my first puppy class, (laughs) was about hugging a dog. Mm. Mm -hmm. And that was, well, dogs don't like to be hugged. Mm. They don't. 
it too is seen as an act of aggression. Now, you can desensitize your dog and teach them. You could teach a dog to love anything, but right. it's a very slow process. And I have actually taught my dogs because I love to hug them whether they like it or not. Right. Yeah, <laughs> so it's called forced love. It is for, yes. <laughs> yes. It's it a is. thing. It's another thing. It's another one of those. Yeah, it's real. It's real. And, no. you know, and, and, but a stranger hugging your dog. And I think no. I, you know, this, one of the statistics are that the, the highest bite incidence is adolescent girls because they hug. Oh. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Um, that does make yeah. a ton of sense. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you watch dogs, dogs that are going to fight, they grab onto each other first. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the another interesting thing that I often hear is, oh, my dog gets jealous when my husband and I are hugging. And they get in between us and I say, they're not jealous. They're scared. He's going to kill you. you know? right. yeah. um, so, you know, these are the things that we just don't understand. You know, looking at through a dog's eyes, mm-hmm. the world looks very different. And, and we don't oftentimes respect their codes. And we've kind of put them into this. They have to tolerate everything and everyone and, and be friendly and play in dog parks. and do, uh, Can you imagine the stress? Can yeah. you imagine if you were thrown into a bar three times a week with no escape <laughs> you know, and, and, and people that were out of control touching you or insisting that you play oh. with them? And, and these are the stressors yeah. and, and that these do- many dogs in society today are just subjected to over and over and over mm-hmm. and over and uh, to me, it's a little bit of a recipe for disaster out there. Well, it's, I mean, I think that any, many people have had recipes. And again, it's just how you teach the average person. I mean, good people that have decent dogs that end up, like you said, biting. And how you teach them this stuff. And, you know, I mean, even at... Um, you know, it, it, somebody who has a little bit of knowledge can walk into a situation sometimes and be like, oh, wow, that dog's, the, the, the body language isn't right when the own owner. So, I mean, it's so hard to educate people of... To, to to have them figure all this out. Yeah. Like you said, they expect yeah. them, you've got to go to the dog park. This is what, you know, you've got to be happy at the dog park. Well, that Yeah, is and you great. have to be good with my kid who's climbing on your back. Yeah. Well, no, you don't. No, you and, know? I, and, yeah. and I think this yeah. is where we have to go in towards educating people that they are, you know, sentient beings with feelings and, and souls. And, and, you know, they don't have to be subjected to all this and we right. need to respect Just them. Just remove and, them from it, you know, and I think that's a big thing too is um, – you know, a, a lot of people just, they're like, well, the only way they're going to learn to deal with it is by keeping them in this situation and reprimanding them. And yeah. it's just, it's just, it's, it's heartbreaking, even though people have a lot of good intentions. Right, right. And and it is, I don't think that people atten- intentionally set out to make their dog neurotic messes, but, uh, you know, they think people they're do doing the right thing. And the problem <laughs> is everybody's a, an expert out there now. You know, yeah. so people mm-hmm. are just inundated, and I, I get this with people that are paying me, and they'll say to me, but my neighbor said to do this, and I'll, I'll kindly remind them they're paying me, um, and they need <laughs> to, you know, not listen to everything anybody says, because then your dog becomes a guinea pig, and then they mm-hmm. really don't know what to expect from you. You're giving me cookies now, now you're bunking me over the head, or you're scruffing yeah. me because he's yeah. on said to do it, and, you know, then, you know, the poor dog just doesn't know whether they're coming or going, and, and the stress levels go up. And, and, and Tigger, you, you know, you reminded me so much of the importance of cortisol and maybe you could touch upon that real quick again, because I need to hear it over and over. Um, the, the body's, um, biochemical reaction to stress, acute stress or chronic stress is this release of adrenaline and cortisol. And if it's an acute stress, like a dog hears, you know, thunder or a gunshot, or whatever that trigger is, that they get wound up immediately, the adrenaline's pumping through their body, and there's a release of cortisol. If that cortisol doesn't deplete or reduce itself in, you know, a matter of minutes, in other words, the thunder just keeps going, or the gunshots just keep going, or the stress just keeps going, that cortisol stays in the in the system. It's pumping through the system from the adrenal glands. It affects the amount of acid produced by the stomach. It affects the liver. It affects the passive immune system in the gut. Mm. And it, it, because of this neurotransmitter adrenaline, it blocks serotonin. Mm. So now the dog is 
hotwired to go or bark yeah. or run or react. Mm-hmm. And the the brain chemistry can't produce the serotonin, which I always refer to as, you know, chocolate, the chocolate <laughs> of for the human hormone. <laughs> you got it. Yeah. Um, it's unable to produce it. And of course, a dog wouldn't have survived thousands of years if it was always just pumping serotonin. It'd be walking around the plains going, la di da di da di da. It'd be carrying it on your calling street. <laughs> <laughs> so we need the adrenaline. The problem is that this, this stress in this society, in this time, it, it doesn't abate easily for mm. dogs or for humans. So you've got this constant cortisol being pumped and the constant adrenaline. So the mm. dog is always hyper aware mm-hmm. and doesn't have the serotonin. And what, what Theracom does is it reduces the cortisol. And when you yeah. reduce the cortisol, the serotonin can be produced. Perfect. Perfect. I need you to write that down for me. You say it so <laughs> yes, eloquently, okay. and I just go, I don't know. It's just good for him. Take it. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. that approach, said so. <laughs> I, I like Karen's approach. I think that I like that a lot. Okay. <laughs> Bossy well, that's and kind of your approach, Patty. <laughs> I, that's why I like it. <laughs> Made so much sense. Oh, yes, ma'am. I'll do it. Yes. But you're the perfect customer for me, Patty. <laughs> <laughs> Um, One more thing before we go, because I want to bring this up, Karen, because it's something that you taught me. And you know how when you learn something from someone, then you see it everywhere? I mean, I I was doing it without knowing it. And yet with the horses, I didn't do it because I knew that nagging never gets you anywhere. You can't keep nagging a horse with your leg or Mm -hmm. with your hand. Mm-hmm. And I have been nagging my dogs for most of my life <laughs> until Karen made me aware that repeating the same command or the same request, it, the dog just goes, yeah, well, whatever. Now mm-hmm. I really hate and, that word. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we know. I, I really do not like that word. Yep. But I, in realizing that's what I've been, I had been doing, um, it's opened up this whole new world of waiting and paying attention to the dog's response to my question. Yes. yes. Or my request. Yes. And that is yes. such a cool time. Well, and don't yeah. you see your dogs all of a sudden go, wow, mom got cool. You know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they do. They almost look at you. And that's why when I say in class, when I take the dog, they're like, Oh, you know, she gets it. She gets it, you know, and that in and of itself can lower stress. Just imagine if somebody, if your spouse or, or significant other was at you constantly saying, can you get me that? Can you get me that? Can you get me that? Can you go get me that? Can you get me that now? Wouldn't you just want to bop them? Yeah. I'd bite them. Yes, I would bite them too. Done and <laughs> Repeatedly. done is all I'm going to say. <laughs> So, Patty, think of the people that you know that, you know, have horses, they're, they're, they're good animal people, and when they ask their dog to do something, they go, sit, 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 mm-hmm. sit, or come, 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 <laughs> and the dog's like, yeah, well, mm-hmm. Well, right. it's funny that you say that, Tigger, because, you know, years ago when um, I was doing the obedience stuff with my Doberman, that was the first thing they taught me was don't keep repeating a command because you, you, you lessen the command and the dog and you know, they didn't say it nagging like you're saying, but um, I, I realize how much I do it even though I'm supposed to be aware of it. Like, you, yes, I see it. I mean, all well, and it, and it, for me, it always translate. If you're going to ask a horse to go for it, ask once, don't ask five times, like, you know, don't do in five strides what you can do in one. Mm-hmm. And um, it's the same things with the dogs. I mean, um, now I'm going to think of it again. <laughs> I'm going to be very aware of it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I have to be aware of it myself sometimes. You know, I I find myself giving more information than I need to. And I remember I need to get quiet because dogs Mm -hmm. get quiet and they Mm -hmm. think just like we try to. And that can really help a dog to decompress stress-wise. And you see it in class that people that are, you know, constantly real tight on the leash and, and, and pushing on the button, sit, 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 sit. And the dog is, is giving all these calming signals. And I said that turning up the head, and then the, the tongue, the, the panting starts and the lip flicking. 
And I go over and I say, okay, let me, let me help. Mm, <laughs> and yeah. I walk the dog away and you see them decompress a little yeah. bit. Because we're uh-huh. just taking, what I, and I, I use a new term now, Tigger, take the pressure off. Oh, I take like that. pressure off, yeah. And as soon as I can get them to take the pressure off, the dog will Relax. oftentimes, or, you know, you got to reset them. Because they get stuck. They, they, they tune you out. You know, and then mm-hmm. I, I say the dog's stuck or they look frozen um, and just resetting, sometimes just making a quick circle and just, you know, changing the dynamics. Refreshing. Them off mm-hmm. the hook. Yeah, refreshing. refreshing like rebooting yeah. the computer, yeah. Reboot them, exactly. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's cool. Well, Karen, this has been great. We, we're we're going to have to have you on again. Love to. I'd love training. to. And now it's time for the breed of the show. So this segment of dog breeds is going to be the Greater Swiss Mountain Dog, which is uh, a breed near and dear to my heart. Um, I have had several and actually bred a litter years ago. And I remember just, that. I know. I mean, they're just. I remember I had so many. I could. I was try- hoping that all my friends would take one. I think we ended up having eleven. Um, <laughs> But they were just, they're just the most wonderful dogs. And it was a dog my dad loved. So it was a real big thing for me. I mean, he, he and I, um, for a very short period of time, had decided that I was going to actually show dogs. Do you remember that, Tigger? I do. <laughs> and do you remember how bad I was at it? <clears throat> uh, no. Oh, I was horrible. I, it was so funny because I, you know, it, it was a stagnant thing. So I wasn't very good at, um, I mean, stagnant meaning you had to stack them and you had to do all this. And, you know, I don't know how to control a dog. You've seen that. (laughs) So anyway, um, but it was just fun to do with my dad. And I, uh, like I said, I ended up breeding this one litter that was just the most wonderful litter. Um, and I went on the internet because I wanted to see a little bit about what they say because I've had, you know, I wouldn't say extensive experience with them, but I've had a decent experience with them. And, you know, the biggest thing to me is I had somebody, the breeder that I originally got my first female from had said, you know, a lot of people are going to try to tell you they're tricolored labs. And I, um, she said, they're not you need to know that they're not. And I, I've never had a lab, but I never quite understood what she, she meant by that until I had them for years. And the thing that I love about this dog the most is that they are so ridiculously loyal in such a big package. And they're not for the faint hearted. They have things that happen to them that they bloat very easily, which I experienced with the mother of the puppies that I had, but they, they have a few, they have some things like every breed does, but what I loved about them is they just, like I said, they were so loyal and they, you know, my best friend, Kelly, um, who, you know, um, yep. ended up taking one of the puppies and her name was Trudy and I had Tessa. And when I was in Charlottesville and we would have holidays together, we would always get the dogs together and to see the two dogs together and how adorable they were. I mean, they knew they were sisters till the day they died. Cause they, they actually lived, they both lived, uh, three days well within it i should say within a mm, within within two months of their birthday which was 12 which was long for them because they tend to live till they're about 11 um they can live till they're 11 i should say but just how adorable they were together but how interesting it was to see how connected her dog trudy was with my children even though they weren't living with kelly um when the girls would come home from college and go stay at Kelly's, how Trudy was so happy that that was, that was, they, she was so aware that that was part of her family. So there's, there, I never gave him a lot of credit for being a bright dog, but I think they were much brighter than I, I, now that time has passed than I think they were. Uh, they are ridiculously agile for such a big dog. They call him a draft dog cause they, they, you know, they're supposed to, um, pull carts and stuff like that. Um, but they're a really good watchdog. There's like so many things about them that, again, now when I say they're not a tricolored lab, I get it as its time has gone by. They're just a very good watchdog. They're not a guard dog. They're a watchdog. So they're the type of dog, if you come into the yard, they'll come up and bounce up to you and bark, bark, bark about four feet away. They're not, they're not ones to attack. I mean, they're not a dog that you can train to attack, you know. Um, but they're very good at sounding off and letting, you know, if a car comes in or someone comes in late, you know, at night, you'll know. Um, Are they related I, to the Bernies? Well, that yes. So there, there are four different types. They're all considered Swiss, Greater Swiss Mountain Dogs. And there's four different types. So the Bernese is part of the Swiss Dogs. There's there's the Greater Swiss. There's the Bernese Mountain Dog. There's the Appenzeller. 
and this last one I never can say right. It the ent- Entel, I don't Entel botcher or something like that. I don't know how to pronounce it. I did a great job at that word, but <laughs> anyway. Um, but the Bernese is the heavier coated one, obviously, and they look just like the Swissy. And I think I always got I was under the impression that Bernese was always a little bit of a bigger dog, not mm-hmm. as heavy but taller. Um, and the Appenzeller looks just like the Swissy, which is the short coat but smaller. And the other one that I can't pronounce, I have no idea. <laughs> I don't know. I don't want to know about that one because I don't, I don't know how to say it. But, um, but anyway, um, I know, it, but I know that the Bernese and the Swissies, even though they're virtually kind of the same, t- they're all within the same group grouping of dog or however you want to say that are really very different dogs. Um, you know, I think the Bernese tend to be a little bit more, um, when I say happy-go-lucky, I don't think they, from my experience, um, I think the Swissies tend to be a little bit more serious about uh, protecting the family. And this could be also because I had kids and they were just so in tune to my children, which was such a great dog for them to grow up with. Um, but the, one of my favorite stories Kelly always loves to tell, and this wasn't just one time, this was a dozen times, when my son Ray would go and stay with Aunt Kelly for a couple of days or you know a week, uh, Trudy would leave Kelly's bedroom and sleep with Ray because she thought she had to be, she was on she was she was babysitting she was on duty, oh, and that's so oh cute. it was adorable and he would literally she would just lay right next to him he would get up she would get up and they would play together and he would hang out with her the whole time whatever, but the thing that was so amazing is that when he would leave she would cry and oh it was it was like kind of heartbreaking I mean she just was like her little boy was gone and um it was kind of it was really it was just she just that was part of her family so the girls were the same but they were older and he she just grew up with with Ray and she knew it and it was just it was an amazing thing when they would get together um so very how big how big are Swissies? Um, well, they are uh, they can get up to uh, they can get up to like 150 pounds, which is a little bit um, oh. too big. Um, but they're they're you know they're considered a large dog. They're considered a draft dog. Um, they're and they're they're heavy. The females obviously are smaller. Um, big beautiful boxy head. They're always tricolored. There's not you know different versions and colors of them they're just tricolored you know the black the tan and the white um and you know they originated obviously in the swiss alps but um they love the cold weather they have great physical strength uh we often would uh t- put you know a harness on uh mercy and then have put a sled behind and have her you know when we we would have a little snow and it was hysterical and it was like it was like there was no obviously this would Karen would be dying if I said this. There was no training involved. I just took the dog up to the kids, <laughs> sat back with a glass of wine, and watched the evening go. But um, you know, they would just—they were great. You know, um, but like I said, I think the biggest thing, my biggest thing, is that they were a great watchdog, and they were just so loyal to the family, um, and they were a great dog. But they don't last as long as you need them to. That's the hard part. You know, 12 mm-hmm. years, I know is long in some, and we were very lucky, but a lot of them don't make it up till 10. And did they have the common sort of hip dysplasia? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they do. Size? The big thing. Yeah, they do. We, again, the litter of puppies, I uh, kept in touch with most of them and I would, I'm, um, uh, Tammy Crawford actually has um, the last one that I knew that was alive from that litter. Um, I was pretty lucky that particular litter didn't have some of the typical things. One of the n- biggest things um, because of the size is, again, the bloat issue, the chest cavity and bloating. So there, I was always very uh, big on how to feed the dogs, like no activity before, no activity after they ate. I was religious about it and was very fortunate because the mother of the puppies died from bloat. But not from a feeding issue. There were so many puppies in there. Her stomach just flipped when she was, the puppies were out, you know, that was hard. But again, it's a very typical, it's like Great Danes. Um, So yes, that can be an issue. I didn't deal with it that much in in mine. Uh, Entropion is another big issue where the eyelashes kind of roll our back towards the eye and can be very irritating and that has to be taken care of. Um, But other than that, we, I mean, but they were farm dogs. They were raised on the farm and they were healthy. They were real healthy and you know what I like about Swissies? What? And yours are the only Swissies that I've personally known. I love right. their feet. I know. They're they great. have amazing feet. Mm-hmm. They do. They do. What did you like about them? 
But the feet? Yeah. Just the <laughs> they're like little walnuts, aren't they? They like they're just so cute. The, the, their ability to use them, it's more like a. I want to say they're more like a hunting dog paw than mm. like a herding dog paw. Oh yeah, that's they, kind of a point. Yeah, and they they splay out. You know, when they mm-hmm. put their weight down, it sort of the weight spreads through the paw. Well, I'm sure that probably helps with the the herding aspect of it too. No, no, no I'm talking about Swissies. Yeah, no, Aussie. I know. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they, they. Herding dogs don't have the spread. It's but they're also the, used for herding. Oh, <laughs> I blew yeah. that theory. <laughs> yeah. Well, they're not the quickest. But again, they they're not the quickest things out there. I mean, I think that they it just it, it looks to me like it would give them real sure-footedness, and I think yeah. a dog that pulls, i.e., sleds, and mm-hmm. you know, want to bring the wood in and in yeah. the Swiss Alps to have that ability to almost like they're webbed but they're not right. this ability to spread and disperse the weight yeah. of their body and whatever they're pulling onto their paws is pretty amazing. Well, I can tell you that when they would stand on your foot <laughs> and it would spread out, <laughs> that was painful because that happened a lot because they're such leaners. You know what I mean? If you are in a room, they're going to be sitting on your feet or leaning up against you. I mean, they really are. And they take up a whole lot of room <laughs> and they take up a whole lot of the bed. But, um, yeah, they're just, they, um, there's, I don't know, um, I can't remember the gal's name, but she actually had one of the number one male Swissies, I think, in the country that the um, Anheuser-Busch family, they are, are very active breeders. But she actually, uh, he had all of, his, uh, uh, all of his obedience titles, which is pretty impressive because they're not, uh-huh. um, it's not that they're not obedient. It's just that you, you're not really going to tell them what to do because they, they're a draft dog. You know, so they just sort of just stand there and go, yeah, I don't think so. And you're not going to move them. <laughs> They're just like, if you, you, you don't pick them up, <laughs> right. you know what I'm saying? Um, so you really have to convince them with food and encouragement that, um, like, for instance, if you pull on the dog leash of a Swissy, it's a joke. They're like, pull? Great. Let's go this way. <laughs> I'll show you what we're going to do. <laughs> but... Um, yeah, and so they're just, you know, I I have often thought, and Kelly, uh, since we both lost, you know, the girl, the two, the girls, it was two years ago, will be three years in February, have often thought, you know, maybe I'd get another one, but it's just hard because they're just, um, like I said, you don't have them lo- that long, and it's kind of that. That's the only down downfall to these guys is that they're just not around long enough. So today we're going to talk about two of my favorite stress herbs. One is called holy basil, and the other one is called ashwagandha. These are both primary herbs of Ayurvedic medicine. And Ayurvedic medicine is the oldest um, medicine on the planet, even older than traditional Chinese medicine. These two plants are categorized in Ayurveda as Rasayana plants. There are only five Rasayana plants in Ayurvedic medicine, and holy basil and ashwagandha are two of the five. A Rasayana is is a, a word used for rejuvenating, regenerating uh, a plant that promotes health and longevity. What makes these these two particular stress herbs so important is that they are adaptogens. And this is a Western herbal term that was coined in 1947 by a Russian scientist. And he defines an adaptogen as an agent that is able to adapt to any diversity demands imposed on the body system. So other adaptogenic herbs are ginseng, and the herb from South America, maca. What makes holy basil and ashwagandha so special for stress is that they both are capable of reducing cortisol. Cortisol is the result of the brain chemistry releasing adrenaline, which then causes the adrenal glands to release cortisol. In, in a prey animal like a horse, this 
this biochemistry helped the horse run away from danger. So the mountain lion came and then the horse sees the mountain lion, the adrenaline pumps, the cortisol releases, the horse runs away from the mountain lion. Then as soon as the danger's over, the horse goes back to eating, the adrenaline is no longer produced and the cortisol is no longer produced. But what happens in chronic stress is that the adrenaline neurotransmitter is is more active than the serotonin transmitter and cortisol is constantly being pumped from the adrenal glands. In humans, we see the effects of um, chronic stress and too much cortisol can cause either people to eat more or to sort of go an anorexic way. And that is also true with dogs and horses. Some horses get fatter um, because they have higher cortisol levels. And some dogs also get heavier and some dogs also get skinnier. They don't want to eat so much because of the stress. What I, I love about holy basil and ashwagandha is that they are capable of reducing cortisol in in studies up to 32% in 30 days. And that's a significant amount of cortisol to regulate. Because they are adaptogenic, because they are Rasayana herbs, they also have the ability to balance the glandular, circulatory, and endocrine body systems. So they're working to help the body adapt to diversity. And what is really amazing about it is that these herbs will not influence normal body functions more than are required. So in other words, if the horse is under stress or the dog is under stress or the human is under stress, if there are particular body systems that aren't so affected, these two particular plants will not stimulate or try to rebalance them. The, the effect of using um, adaptogenic plants like holy basil and ashwagandha is that it helps bring the body back into homeostasis. And this is particularly important, not only with cortisol, but with the immune system. Because the more cortisol that's pumped, the more stomach acid is released, and it does affect the GI tract of horses, dogs, and humans. And we know that the immune system, the seat of the immune system is in the gut. So everything in the body is so interrelated, and these two plants help rebalance the body system. They they are safe. They are gentle. Um, For humans, you can can get holy basil tea. It's called Tulsi. Um, You can get ashwagandha. um, I don't think I've seen ashwagandha tea, but you can certainly get ashwagandha um, products with ashwagandha in it. And for dogs and horses, I know Biostar, we, I'm a, I love holy basil and ashwagandha, so we use it in several formulas to help reduce stress. And, and here's what we have to consider um, with, with stress on the body system. The longer the stress goes on, the harder it is to rebalance it. So as soon as you notice your horse or your dog is under stress, it is really important to address it, to get the cortisol lowered, allow the serotonin to be produced in the brain because that's the quieting, calming, thinking um, neurotransmitter. The The biggest difference between holy basil and ashwagandha is that holy basil won't stimulate as much serotonin as ashwagandha does. So it, it, although it works on the neurotransmitters, it's not as powerful in terms of serotonin production as ashwagandha is. So when I have a horse um, that is overreactive, really spooky, um, real flighty, I tend to go with ashwagandha. If I have a horse that is stressed, has ulcers, but is more of an internalizer, I'll go with with holy basil. 
Um, if you need more information on these two plants, um, please contact Biostar. Go to our website, www.biostarus.com. So we've gotten to the coffee clutch portion of our show. And today we're going to talk about the holidays and, and, and our animals and all the wonderful things that you can, special things you can do for them that are fun and that they enjoy in terms of food. And Patty's going to talk about the things that you have to be careful of. Right. So um, I can tell you that with, with my dogs, I really enjoy making bone broth. And bone broth is good for a dog you know, when they're sick or if they're under the weather. But it's also a wonderful, wonderful nourishing treat. Um, you, you just take marrow bones and put them in a, a crock pot with water and a couple of tablespoons of apple cider vinegar. And that's to help break down some of the calcium in the bone. And then I throw in peas and carrots, hmm. um, sometimes sweet potatoes, and you cook this for about 24 hours. And the dogs think they it's just the most wonderful, nourishing food. You can feed it just as a food itself and, and add you know, a protein to it. You can give it as a treat um, in the middle of the day because it keeps really well. You can freeze it. Um, I don't, but because I have, we have so many dogs that we sort of go through it fast. But <laughs> it's a one um, sitting type of thing for you. Yeah, it is. And the way they lap it up, um, y- you know, I-, I think there's there's a Jewish mother in all of us. <laughs> and you know, when you see your dog just dive into this oh, yeah. bowl of bone broth, it's uh, it just makes you feel good. So that's one thing special that I do that I like to do for the dogs um, during the holidays. And and because it doesn't put stress on their GI tract and it's very nourishing, um, that's important because, you know, dogs, when they get stressed, can unfortunately get horrible things like diarrhea and throw up. So I like to fun. avoid that at yes. all costs. <laughs> I do too, whether it's a holiday yeah. or not. <laughs> yeah, it's important. Um, yes. And another thing that I do do just sort of proactively is um, I do add probiotics like kefir to their food during the holidays. Um, it's, it's important to keep the GI tract really balanced. And that's one place that gets – that's one part of the body that gets stressed easy. With the horses, I really like to do a mash – and mashes have fallen out of favor mostly because of the imbalance of phosphorus and calcium. Right. So I only it's only for special occasions, and I balance it with alfalfa pellets or Timothy pellets. And I use oat bran, and, and that can be a little tricky to find. In other words, it's not normally found at a feed store. They usually sell wheat bran. Right. Um, oat bran you can get at a health food store. So... Um, and I, you know, I don't use vast quantities. <laughs> I was going to say, cause I'm just like, the whole foods is like, here she's coming. It's Christmas season. Let's mark it up people. You know, let's, let's bring in the 50 pound bag of organic <laughs> <Yeah>. oat bran. <laughs> <laughs> let's make our Christmas bonus right here on this sale. <laughs> <laughs> so generally I feed, you know, maybe one or two cups. I'm just using it as, um, really a, a, a something different in their in their food. Um, and to that, I add... Now, I had something sort of unusual. I had papaya. Hmm. So I had fresh papaya, of course, not with the skin or the seeds. You know, the, the normal apples and carrots if they're not um, metabolic. Right. And um, I know some people add things like, you know, peppermints and candy canes. Mm-hmm. I tend to not do the candy yeah. root. Mm-hmm. because of the sugar. Right. Um, I do do blueberries. Um, horses really like blueberries. And I, I use coconut oil. And right. I think, uh, <laughs> I could be wrong, but I think the coconut gives it a really tropical flavor. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know the horses are thinking that. You know they're thinking, gee, you're heading to Florida, Mom, but I'm not. I'm sitting here eating bran mash. 
I'm getting ripped off, so I'd rather have a little coconut oil so I feel like I'm in the tropics. <laughs> Good thinking, Tig. <laughs> I hope you feel better. <laughs> and the other thing that I like to do is I like to add some warming foods. This is because generally around the holidays, it's pretty cold. Yes. Um, so cinnamon is a really good warming um, spice. Yeah. And, you know, I'll feed, you know, maybe a eighth of a teaspoon, um, add it to the mash. Um, another warming food is hawthorn berry. It's a circulatory food, and so is pumpkin seed. So I'll add some seeds, like pumpkin and sesame is another warming food. And um, some hawthorn berry powder, which you can get at any health food store. And, you know, you're going to add it by about a, a quarter or a half a teaspoon. And when you increase circulation, you know, that's, that's warming to the, to the horse. And it, it also helps them, you know, move around better. And, right. and they're not burning fat in order to stay warm. So that's sort of my recipe for, for a mash. You can also f- add pears. Um, I had a couple who really loved pears. I peeled them, of course. Right. Um, they thought they were marvelous. But um, that's my that's Tigger's Christmas mash. Tigger's Christmas mash. Well, you know, when we originally talked about this, we were talking about all the fun things we could do, and I was just doing a little research. And again, my whole thing is always trying to inform uh, our average person that may be listening about the good and the bad. And so I kind of went down this one path. You first talked about your dog bone broth. And my first thought was, well, we need to make sure people understand that you just don't give dog bones. You don't um, give them the turkey bone or the ham bone or whatever for several different reasons. One, because a lot of these bones can splinter and um, perforate you know, an intestine or their stomach or you have surgery or other issues can happen. And I think people try to be kind and want to add their animals in on the festivities, obviously mainly thinking of dogs. Um, But that is not a go-to place uh, because of the dangers of the bone, but also how rich the food can be and how that can be so upsetting to their digestive system as well. And just being very careful. One of the things that I do, because I, because I had, um, not easy to feed dogs like the Swiss mountain dog. Um, when I did want to give an extra treat, I would just also make, always make it very basic, just the turkey with no gravy, not a lot of fat. I may add just a, you know, a little bit to their, to their meal, which doesn't sound like a great big difference, but because they were a dog that could, that could, you know, bloat easily. I was just like, here's your treat. Now don't go be healthy. Don't move. Um, I'd like to keep it simple. That, that was my motto. Um, but, you know, on, on another part of all of this is, you know, when we're decorating our houses and um, people have mistletoe and they bring in, you know, um, different types of plants and different berries and leaves and holly whatever. Holly is a real holly. holly. Mm-hmm. Well, these are and all what, and toxic. Poinsettia. Poinsettia. That's really toxic. Mm-hmm. Poinsettias. And I think, I think that's become more – people know more that now. But uh, but mistletoe, I, I mean, it's not something yep. I would have thought of, but – pine and fir, hibiscus, um, you know, just mm-hmm. all of these different things that if they're different in the house, your cats, your dogs are, if you're not home all day, are going to be real interested in maybe chewing on these things. And sometimes the least amount of these things can be quite toxic. Um, and, you know, and, and another really big factor in this is our Christmas trees. Um, you know, we have to be so careful with our dogs and our cats. Uh, I obviously, I always unplug my tree for many different reasons. Cause I've always had, you know, children, but I, I've also had dogs that well, they're like, Hey, that's a wire. I'm just going to go chew that. And something that's <laughs> again, a different thing. And of course it would be one of my terriers, but terrorists, um, <laughs> But, you know, I always unplug my tree. I always make sure there's not really low-hanging ornaments that would attract a dog or a cat to play with and then think it would be a great idea to chew and it be glass. So do you give your dogs anything special? I mean, do you give them stockings and presents? I do. It's just, it's ridiculous. It's just, especially when you have so many. (laughs) It's just like, look, you guys are sharing this one. 
when the kids were young, I, we used to, I mean, every animal um, on the farm would have it. Um, I have, I've become quite negligent. I will tell you, and I'm actually re- uh, remorse to admit this. I don't have one for the Frenchies, which obviously I'm going to go fix tomorrow. <gasps> Whoa. Well, last year, remember, Phoebe got married, so I wasn't home. So I didn't do a lot of decorating. And um, I don't know what I did the year before, but I mean, you know, Gavin's had his own, he's had his own since he was a puppy. <laughs> Get that was Gavin whining. Um because he wants a new one and he wants the Frenchies out. But, um, yeah, I'll probably have to get on that. <laughs> well, I have to be careful with chew toys. Oh, yeah. They, do um, they get naughty? Stuffed, you know, anything that's stuffy and oh. squeaks. Because a certain kid yes, decides that everybody's toy is also kids. <laughs> and I don't, I see, I see, think that's perfectly fine. <laughs> Yeah, it does not bring harmony and peace. It it does not create a no stress environment. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know how to fix that. <laughs> yeah, now I've got Theracom. <laughs> yeah, just like Theracom your other dogs and give them whatever he wants. <laughs> For information on our show sponsor, go to www.biostarus.com or on Facebook, Biostar US. Get the Horse Radio Network phone app on iOS or Android by searching the Horse Radio Network in the App Store. It's free and easy to use. For details about today's show, go to www.healthycrittersradio.com where you can find links, photos, and more information about our guests. As always, we love your feedback. Please follow us on Facebook under Healthy Critters Radio. Be sure to visit all the great shows on the Horse Radio Network at www.horseradionetwork.com. So, love your horse, hug your dog. <laughs>